Welcome to the Silver Screen Guide Podcast, where we discuss films from every genre. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. Welcome listeners to a special episode of Silver Screen Guide, where we will be talking about what is currently almost the biggest film of all time. It's broken. Oh, it'll become the biggest movie of all time, no doubt. Very quickly, yes. So I will be predictive yeah. about the future, and I'll just go ahead and say we're talking about the biggest movie of all time. So my information will not be outdated. Can you guess what we're talking about? No, we're not talking about Avatar. Not anymore. It's been about a decade, and Avatar has been dethroned as the as the highest grossing movie of all time. Today we are discussing Avengers Endgame. This is your co-host, Corbin. I'm Alan. Wow, I mean, this is crazy. 22 movies, about, what, 11 years? It's yep. all been building to this, sort of? Yeah, pretty much. This is, I I mean, originally this was supposed to be two parts, uh, a two-part Avengers movie, and then, it, I mm-hmm. mean, it still kind of is, but they decided to change up, because the original title was Infinity War Part 1 and Infinity War Part 2. And then I guess somewhere along the way, they decided, hey, this second movie, these two movies are actually kind of a bit different. So they changed the title. Yeah. One was remain, one remained Infinity War. And then the other one uh, was kept secret until a few months before it's released, where it was revealed that it's Avengers Endgame. Yeah. And I'm glad that they didn't call it Infinity War Part 2. I think it's really, I really like that they differentiated it in a world where yeah. um, parts are becoming different from what they used to be we had the godfather and then they made the godfather part two which is for the most part a totally separate movie now what they like to do is they like to take the final installment and split it into two movies it's still one story and i'm really sick of that and they didn't do that with this you can watch infinity war standalone and i would say you can watch endgame standalone i will say endgame works better with watching Infinity War first because you do need a lot of the foreknowledge in order to kind of get what's going on with that. And it's, I would say it's more satisfying coming through all of that. Um, You don't necessarily need to watch all 22 Marvel movies, but for it to make more of an impact on you, I would say those of us who have watched it from the very beginning, like Alan and I, when we first saw Iron Man in 2008, I would say it's, it's a, bit more i guess you could almost say like nostalgic being able to see it all the way through now i'm not the biggest marvel fan i do enjoy the movies but i haven't i haven't gone back and watched any of them um per se there's some i've watched through the years of course but there's some of these that i've only seen once and i didn't go back and watch all 21 films for this movie I do know that I think AMC had a marathon where uh, they showed every single Marvel movie in this universe back to back for like, I think it's some ridiculous, like 50 something hours. That would be horrible. Yeah. I obviously I did not go. That's ridiculous. Uh, I couldn't sit through that many Marvel movies uh, to get to the end, to get to end game. But I feel like by that point, you'd be so brain dead. Yeah. Um, that it would almost it would almost be not worth it. I feel. Oh no, it would not be worth it. It uh, everything would run together. It would be completely unenjoyable for me. 
at least. Right. You could have this own marathon at your own home. I, I'm sure those tickets were expensive. I'm sure they weren't cheap. Yeah, I don't know how much they were, but I know that they existed. I don't know if it happened or here on us. I'm assuming it did. Sure, but yeah, I'm sure it did. I would assume that those tickets were pretty pricey. Yeah. And probably the biggest of Marvel fans would have been the ones who go. Well, yeah, not all Marvel fans, because I know Arnie from Now Playing is a major Marvel fan, and he didn't mm-hmm. go to it. I know that he bought the special Iron Man edition vehicle that you could buy. Huh. He also went to the premiere in L.A., so that's pretty big. Hmm. Yeah, that is pretty big. Listeners, if you're wondering why Corbin sounds a little weird, I should address it. I am sick. It's been raining nonstop here and i mowed the lawn and i do have allergies and it was literally the perfect storm for such an occasion so yeah i'm I'm kind of under the weather so <laughs> bear with my um crackly uh, thanos voice <laughs> well uh we kind of mentioned this earlier uh this is on its way to be the number one highest grossing movie of all time and i we kind of both said yeah it's pretty much going to pass it at this point because it's it's in its third week And it's made $2.5 billion in the box office in its third week. Oh, dear. So, and I believe uh, Avatar has like $2.7 billion in the box office. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I'd say it's pretty reasonable to assume that eventually within maybe even this next week, it'll topple that number one spot and take the throne for itself. And I mean, to be fair... That's not a surprise to me. We've built up to this for 10 years uh, with all kinds of more. Actually, I guess technically 11. But this is the movie to kind of, I guess, end this story of the Avengers that we've come to know, at least with a few characters, which also is not a very big surprise. So, yeah, uh, this is a ton of money to be throwing at Marvel uh, or really any studio we're talking billions of dollars here. That's that's a ton of money. Yeah, in like 10 years, Marvel Studios has grossed over $20 billion. It's really insane. Yeah. Their movies are always going to be a blockbuster, it seems like, no matter what it is so far. Oh, They've yeah. only gained in momentum because with the first few movies, you know, 11 years ago, it was all kind of like, yeah, okay, what are we what are we going for here? And then like the direction just kept becoming more clear and I will say it's impressive how they how they are able to bring all of these characters, even more recent characters such as Captain Marvel into this right. world and still make it feel cohesive and I would say even fresh and satisfying. And we'll get to all of that when we when we talk about it in our review. But right. yeah, it's it's pretty major. It's this is kind of one of those cultural zeitgeist moments, I would say, where people talk about when they were there for the very first Star Wars movie, and right. um, we can say now that we were there for the End Game. We saw the highest grossing film of all time in the theater. So, what right. what? No matter your feelings, it is kind of cool to say that you are kind of here for cinematic history yeah and i mean regardless of what you feel about marvel because i mean i know i've expressed my uh not as high regard in terms of marvel movies before but this is part of cinema history i mean this is a lot of money we're talking about and i feel like at this point most everybody who's wanted to see it has i guess kind of already seen it 
just kind of given how how much money they've already made. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it is kind of a cool thing to see how 22 movies, although they are all of their own self, they also help feed into a larger story. So even though, yes, a movie called Ant-Man does feed into eventually uh, one of the Avengers movies, it's not a movie that doesn't stand on its own. It stands on its own, absolutely, but also is a part of an overarching story. There's That's kind of what the goal of Marvel has been since, I guess, Iron Man is to tell an, a giant overarching story, but through the eyes of many different characters to do so. Alan, have you seen every Marvel movie now? Yes, I have. Um, I was kind of planning on not seeing Captain Marvel and Ant-Man and the Wasp, uh, but Captain Marvel was a free ticket for me, and Ant-Man and the Wasp was on Netflix, and I knew at that point I was already going to be seeing Endgame, so I said, what the hey, and I watched Ant-Man and the Wasp. Well, yes, at this point, as far as I think, which I'm pretty sure I've, I'm pretty sure I've seen them all up to this point. Um, a couple, like kind of like you, a couple more than once for uh, whatever reason. But yes, I have seen every single Marvel movie up until this point. Interestingly enough, because I know everybody was building, hyping Captain Marvel directly after Infinity War as she was going to be the end-all be-all. She was going to be the Thanos killer. She was going to be the key. That's right. not necessarily true, and nor do you necessarily even need to see Captain Marvel I would say to really um, get Endgame, honestly, of the two, it seems Ant-Man and the Wasp is more important to the actuality yeah. of Endgame, what they have to say about the quantum realm and how they use that. We're we're not getting right. into spoilers just yet, but if you can only see one of the two, honestly, I'd say Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yeah. And I will say this, I think the road getting from Infinity War to now has been a bit rocky. Um, these two Marvel movies have not really been held in high regard very much. Uh, I know Captain Marvel was review bombed and then they kind of <laughs> kind of solved that. And when it was released, it was for many to be just okay. And then Ant-Man and Wasp, while it wasn't review bombed, critically it was okay as well. Yeah, I I didn't really... I, you can look on Letterboxd. Go ahead and follow me on Letterboxd. And you can see my thoughts for both of those films and see kind of which one I liked better and worse. Um, Yeah, I guess of the two, I personally like Ant-Man and the Wasp better, aside from Captain Marvel. Yeah. I thought it was fun. Now, one of the biggest talks of this movie was the pre-sale tickets. Um. Once again, also not a very big surprise, but just so you can have an idea of how much money they made, uh, they it's estimated to be from 120 to 140 million dollars alone from the pre-ticket sales. Uh, now that's not a guarantee that the person's going to make it to the theater. Uh, it just is that they bought tickets to see this movie. Uh, I'm guessing they still, unless they somebody, I'm guessing even if they didn't show up, uh, they still got the revenue uh, cut from that. But that's uh, a lot of money. So much so that AMC Theaters, uh, their website crashed and Adam Tickets and Fandango were slowed down because of how much traffic was going through getting bu getting and buying those tickets. Yeah, I did not try at all to go <laughs> opening weekend. No, right. no, sir. I went the week after 
when it was pretty calm um, during the day. I will say it is interesting how how long will Avengers Endgame be able to hold number one at the domestic box office. It's done it for three weeks, although just barely. Detective Pikachu nearly dethroned Endgame, which kind of is... I don't know, that, that kind of makes Endgame seem not all that impressive. If Detective Pikachu is going to beat it out in week three... Um, considering like E.T. and Titanic were like number one for like six months in a row or something right crazy, like 15 right. weeks and like i mentioned earlier it may be when i'm guessing when detective pikachu takes the number one spot it might be that everyone who's wanted to see it has already seen it right yeah that might be what's going on here and that's that's probably going to be the case i uh, it'll be interesting to see if it holds next week for number one. I'm guessing that it's very possible that it won't, but if it does, it all it'll just be barely, barely. Yeah. Now, in terms of budget, uh, now this is an estimation. We do know that um, Infinity War, I believe, was a little over 356 million, or maybe. It was it was somewhere around $350, $340 million in terms of revenue. And we know that's a fact. Now, the budget for this one is estimated. We don't really know what, how much money they spent just yet. Uh, Disney Marvel has yet to reveal how much uh, they've spent on this movie. Although at one point it was estimated that collectively these two movies, Infinity War and Endgame, would be about a billion dollars in budget alone. Um, but we, it is estimated that the budget is... 356 million which means it is in third place for the high movie with the highest budget i believe number one is pirates of the caribbean on stranger chides with like 376 million dollars in terms of budget but i would not be surprised if it tops that either uh, i really would like to see what that number is when they re- when disney releases that final amount it's possible they don't have it all worked in just yet too i, I don't really know how all that works i'm if i'm not mistaken i'm also pretty sure these movies were shot uh, back to back, so you could make the case that their budgets were combined in that sort of a way, which would make this. It's not technical, it's not official, but this would very most likely be the the biggest budget film of all right. time. Right, and that might be part of it. Um, Infinity War and Endgame they were originally going to be back to back, and then I think it just be kind of became too complicated for them to do so. So it kind of became they filmed one and the other. And an idea was flowing around that some days they film one and some days they film the other. I, from what I've read, they that was the original plan was to do back to back filming, but then they ended up not doing so and they ended up doing just doing it separately as if they were two movies. Now, of course, this should be a surprise. Audiences loved this film. They one hundred percent loved this film on Cinema oh, Score. Sure. It has an A plus, and mind you. Yeah. Not uh, every Marvel movie has that. I think Black mm-hmm. Panther does, and maybe one other. Not not of all of them have A pluses, but this one A plus. Of course, they loved it. Yeah, I mean that's no surprise. And the IMDb score is kind of seconding that. I believe it has like an, what an eight point eight on IMDb. Yeah, it does have Which, an eight point eight now. As of this, yeah. Recording. When it first, yeah. Now, yeah, yeah. When it when we recorded this, it probably will dip a little bit. As time goes on, that's just kind of natural. It began at like 9.3 when it was first released in theaters. Yeah. Um, and so, and we, and now, of course, from the couple of weeks that it's been out, it's dropped down uh, 
a little bit to 8.8. So that's to be expected. That usually happens. That kind of happened with Interstellar 2. I think when Interstellar was released, it had like a perfect 10 <laughs> for a couple of days. And then now it's like, now it's in the mid eights, but it's still in the top 250. I'm sure along with a few other Marvel movies, this will end up on the top 250 at IMDb. Um, just given the circumstances, I wouldn't be surprised if that's what ends up happening. Yeah, I, I believe it already is. Yes. Everybody, it, it really did make waves because it was for a while, quite a while actually, at least for the first week, number five on IMDb Top yeah. 250, which not like no other film has been able to do that in a long time. And I, right. Alan and I knew it wouldn't stay at number five. Oh, I yeah. just knew it couldn't do that. Um, but it did stay there for a while. Of course, extremely impressive with such high score. It's at 8.8 now. Right now, it's at number 15, which is still that's, really high. Yeah, still very respectable, especially for a movie that's still in theaters. Yeah. Um, if if I'm going to be a betting man, I'm going to say that it's it will continue to sink. I'll say it'll sink a little bit for now. Um, over time, it might sink some more. Uh, because the score hasn't really changed too much since it's been released. Now that once it hit the 8.8, it'll probably drop a few more, uh, in the future when it fits theatrical run. And then it may drop a few more after, uh, it is released on home, on home, uh, media, but I have a feeling it won't drop too far. Yeah. I'll be, I'll be intrigued to see where it goes because infinity war currently has an 8.5, and right. it is number 60, which is still very respectable and impressive for such a new film. Um, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse was ranked incredibly high as well. It, yeah, it was. It currently holds a 8.5, same as Infinity War. And it is number 53. I know it was in the 30s for a while, but now it's number 53. Mm-hmm. So it you can see it's dropped by like 20 or so. Yeah, that's another one that has really taken the audiences by storm. Yeah. Now, does Avengers Endgame deserve to be where it's at? Because right now it's like beating out Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. Um, mm-hmm. No, I and I don't believe it ever deserved to be in the top five. I don't think it deserves to be in the top 15. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe somewhere in the top 100. Maybe not. Honestly, probably not. Maybe in... Maybe in the top 200 or something. Direction. Right. I don't know. I don't think it deserves to be there um, because, well, well, we'll talk about it. But I right. do think it's just one of those incredibly hyped cultural things that is giving it its place. Right. And this is why I don't really pay too much attention to the IMDb Top 250. Uh, there's a lot of movies on there that seem like odd choices. Like this one's kind of a good example of because you're ha- you have Avengers Endgame up against a movie like Twelve Angry Men or The Godfather. Like they're two they're two very different movies for very different reasons as to why people love them. At least with Twelve Angry Men, it's more experimental and character driven, and Avengers Endgame is more about action and spectacle. So I don't know what defines the IMDb top two fifty aside from user ratings. But yeah, I that's why I kind of don't really pay too much attention to the IMDb Top 250 uh, too much because uh, they just it just seems to be a hodgepodge of the highest rated, rated movies on the site, which even then is not necessarily true either. 
I have made it my goal to watch all of the movies in the top 250, which they do frequently change from time to time, especially those towards the end. Um, for the most part, I'd say, I'd say pretty much everything in there that I've seen does deserve to be in there. They're very, very solid films from the beginning of cinema towards the, where we're at right now. I've seen over half of them and I, and I love most all of them. Um, some of them I don't think deserve to be in there, um, per se. I didn't think we're the best, but that's, that's to be warranted, of course. Um, so yeah, what I, what I derive by what makes a movie great is, uh, it's solid narrative direction, um, how deeply the characters are written, their connection to us, uh, how much emotion is factored in. It takes a lot more than just how popular a film is. And I don't, I don't necessarily see that as, to me, it seems like, Endgame being there is a popularity contest, whereas those other movies that are on there don't warrant popularity. They weren't like cinematic right. achievement. Right. Which I know the Oscars at one point were going to have a category for, uh, what is it? Most popular pop, film. Uh, achievement in pop film or something like that. Yeah. And then I think Marvel, they were like, uh, that's stupid. Yeah. So then they're like, okay, Black Panther gets best picture of the year. Fine. Yeah. To compensate. Yeah. So, is there any other details, or should we just go uh, to the plot now? I'll tell you this. I tried to look up background info, and there's literally nothing, because not much outside of the ordinary ever happened. Sure. So, nothing. aside from the working title being Mary Lou 2. Ah. That's about all. That's about it. Yeah, those, those like, uh, working titles are, and sometimes they're fake titles. Sometimes that's how they ship them out to theaters. By giving right. them some weird name, some weird undercover name. That's that's cool. Yep. Well, listeners, if you haven't seen the most popular, the most highest grossing film, the greatest film of all time in some people's opinions, if you haven't seen that quite yet, then we are going to spoil the movie for you in just a minute. So if you don't want to spoil it, go ahead and click pause. Go to your local cinema, watch Avengers Endgame. I've seen it once. Alan, you saw it twice, correct? Yeah, I saw it twice, but one of those times was at a driving theater. Mm-hmm. So not necessarily the most optimal of note-taking viewing experiences. Yeah, Alan saw it one and a half times. So, yeah, sort of, just kidding. But anyways, listeners, we are going to spoil it. So go ahead and click pause, go watch the movie, come back, click play, and we'll be ready to talk about it. Okay, here we go. This was a bit long. I mean, to be expected, it's a three-hour movie, so there's a lot to get through. All right. After being stranded somewhere in the universe for who knows how long, Iron Man and Nebula are stuck on the Guardian ship with no fuel and little oxygen. Thinking this is the end, Tony records a final message to send to Piper Potts before falling asleep. Fortunately for them, Carol Danvers, or aka Captain Marvel, rescues them and returns them to the Avengers' home base with the remaining Avengers, Hulk, Captain America, Rocket, Thor, Natasha, and Rhodey. After finding where Thanos' location may be, the remaining heroes head straight to him and retake the Infinity Stones to retake the Infinity Stones and return the universe back to normal. Unfortunately, it was too late, and Thanos destroyed the stones by using the stones and causing Thor to behead the, the giant purple alien man. Five years pass by, and Cap is holding a group therapy session while Natasha keeps the remaining Avengers busy by protecting the Earth. But hope comes from a man the size of an ant, or maybe an atom, when Scott Lang is brought back from the quantum realm by a rat, by a rat's search for food. 
Scott makes his way to the Avengers' headquarters and explains that he has an idea to stop Thanos. You see, Scott got caught in a time warp, so even though five years passed by in the outside world, it was only it only felt like five hours to him. The Avengers approach Tony, who is now a father, with the time travel idea. Initially, he, confu- he initially he refuses, but eventually comes around to help. Meanwhile, Hulk and Rocket head to New Asgard, somewhere in Norway, to record to recruit an alcoholic and overweight Thor. And Natasha heads to Tokyo to gather vigilante Hawkeye, who went crazy after his family disappeared with a Thanos snap, which is a scene we saw in the opening. With the surviving Avengers together, they split up into three groups to retrieve the six Infinity Stones. Hulk, Ant-Man, Cap, and Iron Man head to New York 2012 during the events of the first Avengers movie. Hawkeye and Natasha head to Voromir in 2014 to retrieve the Soul Stone from Red Skull and drop Rhodey and Nebula off along the way. Rocket and Thor head to Asgard to gain, some, to gain the stone that was put inside Jane's body. While in New York, Iron Man fails to grab the Tesseract, forcing Iron Man and Cap to head further back into the past to get it from an earlier time. In Voromir, Hawkeye and Natasha are told that they must sacrifice the thing that they love most in order to retrieve the Soul Stone. After a quick game of I Love You More, Natasha ends up being the one who, is, who dies, leaving Hawkeye with the stone. Thor comes across his mom, which she tells him everyone fails at who they want to be. A hero is one who is best at who he really is. While in Morag, we find that a young, we find a younger Nebula, the one whose allegiance still lies with Thanos, and has her memory entangled with an older Nebula. Due to this, Thanos finds out Thanos finds out all the plans of the Avengers and all the events leading up to his death in the future. With this foreknowledge, Thanos captures old Nebula and sends a disguised young Nebula into the future. With all the Infinity Stones, Tony creates a new gauntlet. Giving it to giving it to Hulk to be the one who snaps his, who snaps the fingers and brings everyone else back, everyone who disappeared back. However, a disguised young Nebula also brings a young Thanos into the present with his ship before the rest of the Avengers. And before the rest of the Avengers can show up, Thanos blows the blows the Avengers' base to smithereens. Iron Man, Captain America, and Thor fight Thanos alone, but are no match. That is until the rest of the Avengers show up with the aid of Doctor Strange, opening up portals. The Wakandan and Asgardian armies join together to fight Thanos' army. The two converge while Avengers try to keep the gauntlet away from Thanos. But this doesn't take long before Thanos has it in his hands. He goes to snap his fingers but is briefly held back by Iron Man, who steals the Infinity Stones, attaching them to his own Iron Man suit. I am Iron Man, Tony says, snapping his fingers, bringing it into the war. Unfortunately, this also kills Tony in the process. A funeral is held for Tony Stark. Thor appoints Valkyrie as the king, or maybe queen, of Asgard and joins the Guardians. Spider-Man joins his old friend back at high school, and as a final mission, Captain America returns the Infinity Stones back to where they came from. But instead of returning to the platform he left on, an old Cap is instead sitting on a bench. Rather than returning immediately to the time he left, he decided to spend his time with Peggy Carter. Steve hands the reins of Captain America over to Sam Wilson, or aka Falcon. We see we see the Peggy and Steve dance. We see the Peggy and Steve. We see Peggy and Steve dancing back in the 1950s as they share a kiss and credits roll. That's very good, Alan. That's pretty good. You were able to condense that for a three-hour movie. Thank you, thank you. That the, I was I had the aid of Wikipedia and notes. Yeah, and two viewings. Also true. Yeah, the movie the movie does follow a pretty obvious three-act structure. Yeah, it seems like. Every act, though, is about the same length, roughly an hour. Yeah, so that is kind of nice. They are able to take about an hour for each act. And the way I saw it was the first act is the world is in shambles. Let that sink in. How do we fix it? Tony figures Mm -hmm. out time travel. Act two, 
go back in time to acquire all the stones and they have each of their three different you know subplot missions they embark upon and then that leads into the final act which is the final battle which i couldn't help but think of lord of the rings return of the king (laughs) or the battle of helm's deep um and then i feel like there's kind of a bit of a fourth here and then we do have an epilogue i would say yeah there is definitely a prologue and epilogue to this the prologue being uh Hawkeye and his family, they disappear, and the epilogue being uh, them all kind of saying goodbye and returning the stones, and Captain America doesn't return uh, that he was supposed to when he's supposed to. So yeah, there are def- there are definite prologues and epilogues here uh, that come before even the Marvel logo, and then even before the the Infinity, or the in-game Avengers logo. Um, so yeah, I say that there are some pretty definite uh Three, there are definite acts here. You can tell where one transitions into the other pretty, uh, pretty clearly. I looked at the clock my first time to see how much movie was left when they were getting to the final battle. Once uh, I believe is right when uh, Thanos blows up the Avengers base. That's about an hour left of the movie. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah, that's still quite a bit. Yeah. Um, and this does... That's what I said, too. I was like, we saw an hour left. <laughs> yeah, and that gives me kind of flashes of the return of the king where the eagles pick Frodo up from Mount Doom and then it, like, fades to black. And the in the theater, the black was so long, audiences just thought the movie was over, so they started leaving. That's right, And they had yeah. to fix that for the home video release. Um, and then there's quite... Even though that is kind of the end of the story, there is quite a long epilogue. And I thought, wow, this is a long battle. This is the end. Okay, wow, this is the end. No, it's not the end. Okay. And then we we do give the proper send-off to the two major characters, Captain America and Iron Man. Iron Man being first, I would say, because he was was the first one. He he was – the first movie was Iron Man, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So one question that I have that is going to it kind of bothers me is why what makes Thanos so special that he can do the snap and he's okay? I mean, I understand that it kind of like melts the gauntlet in his arm. We see that in the first movie, but then Hulk says, "Let me do it because it emits gamma, like gamma radiation, and he's already absorbed a lot of gamma radiation, so it'll be okay with him." But of course, with with Tony, it's not. But so Thanos has like a lot of gamma radiation that he can take or what? I don't know. Um, We do know. I mean, it's pretty clear that Thanos is very, very powerful. And even when all of the Avengers are fighting Thanos, trying trying to get the gauntlet away from him, he's still a pretty formidable force for them. Yes. Although, yeah, I'm I'm just gonna chalk that up to Thanos just has a lot of power. He's very he's a very strong individual, so that makes it pretty easy for him to use that gauntlet. Uh, I guess uh, more than Hulk and Iron Man would. But you are right. What what there is a question of what makes Thanos so special, and I'm also gonna try to chalk that up to uh, they need a villain, and he's very strong in the comics, so uh, he's here in the movie. So does it require like a living being to do the snap? Because couldn't Tony just have like a robot put the glove on <laughs> and do the snap? I'm going to say this right now. There are a ton of things in this movie that they bring up and then never explain. Yes. Or they explain it, but they don't dive too deep into it. And I understand why they do this, but it leaves a lot of things up in the air as to, well, how does this operate then? 
So um, that would this would probably be one of those things where well, can anything do the snap? Uh, I don't know. Maybe they don't explain it in the movies. Uh, either this one, nor this one, nor Infinity War. The other thing my girlfriend brought up was: is it like one wish per snap? Because then she's like, why didn't the? F-? She's like, we could have we could have wished people back into existence and taken care of Thanos and his army with one snap, the Hulk snap. And not had yeah. this whole battle and had everybody died, I guess. But I guess it's one wish per snap, so you got to keep doing snaps to get things you want. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I'm guessing because Hulk was pretty was injured pretty bad with the first snap uh, when he brought everybody back. So and they they do kick it around to get it out of the way. I don't know why they didn't take care of Thanos. My guess is they didn't really know that he was a threat as of this point of the movie yet because he hasn't done anything um, for them. And that's just my guess is they guess they said, well, we are took care of him earlier and there's no way he can get back to our time. So what would be the point in killing him now? I don't know why they didn't decide to also kill him in that same snap. Perhaps they could. I, I don't I don't know. Well, I do want to start with the positives. I don't want to start with the negatives right away. Um, I think one of one of the best positives that we get immediately <clears throat> is the opening with Clint, Barton, Hawkeye, aka Ronan, who is, becomes Ronan in this movie. Um, his he shooting with his daughter, and then his family is setting out for a picnic, and then he just turns around, and she's gone, and then they're gone. That really drew right. me in. Also, because it's the camera is handheld, and we get that emotionality right off the bat. I think that was the best way to start the movie. Yeah, it's a really good way to start the movie because it kind of reminds you of what the events were in Infinity War, but also tells you where Barton has been because from what I remember, he was pretty much absent throughout the entirety of Infinity War, or if he was there, he played a very minor role. So this does, it has a double meaning or a double, it has a double, two jobs here where we're, intro, we're reintroducing Barton back into this universe again. Because he's been kind of absent for a while. And it also helps remind us as to what happened in the previous movie. And I'll go as far as to say I honestly really do enjoy this movie for, I'd say, a good maybe hour or so. I would say it's right about the time when they head back into the past where things get a bit rocky. And I think the reason why is because it's very slow and very sad and very somber, but also very focused. I would definitely agree with that. It is very focused, and I do appreciate that the first hour is not an action movie. It's a drama, um, yeah. really letting the effects of everything sink in. Now, if you want to get like nitpicky, because we, we were kind of like, why did they not like clean anything up? Why did they just let a lot of stuff like trash and deteriorate? But Audi is still making brand new cars. It just seems a little conflicting. Right. Like, is the world in shambles or is technology still booming and we're making progress? Like, I don't know which one it is. So those are the only things yeah. where it's like they're trying to have the best of both worlds and it doesn't quite work. But yeah. And and I could chalk the Audi being up to being a product placement because there are a lot of Audi cars in this movie. Um, But, okay. Um. One of the questions I had here is how does the world operate with half the population gone? And we kind of get an answer. They talk about how the bunch of countries are trying to take a census for who is all still alive, but that's really about it. We don't know how operation, how the oper- how things operate now with half people gone, what 
the public is how the public is responding to this. We don't get is there been a new power that's risen up because of this to kind of rein everybody in. None of this is really ever explained, and they don't ever really try to explain it either. I even wondered about Wakanda because you know uh, Black Panther disappeared in the in the in the Infinity War, so I was wondering, okay, well, how do they operate without a king? Once again, we don't really get an answer. There's a lot of things here that they bring up and then they just don't explore and they don't get answers for them. Now, they're not necessarily integral to the plot, but they are details that I feel would help bring this world, I guess, make it more realistic if they had brought it up. Yeah, I think especially since we're coming off our Mad Max retrospective, I was kind of thinking of that first movie where everything fell too a little too loose where it's like, gangs do do run the show but there's also still a legal system in place yeah i i would be curious about that as well the feeling that i get is that everybody has just essentially given up like nobody goes to school anymore nobody goes to work anymore everybody just kind of wallows in their depression and has no motivation to do anything and i would agree with you that I could, that maybe that's the case, but we also get a short line of this guy who went on a date, which would mean to me that they definitely went out to some restaurant. So some people are working. It's like I said, sure, they yeah. don't, they don't really explore anything outside of whatever the main issue is. They don't explore the world that we've, that they've now created for themselves of half the population being gone. And I feel like once again, you could have created a much better, I guess, world building technique by exploring some of those things or maybe even at least bringing in some more dialogue to ex- to explain what hap- what is going on in this world aside from just briefly mentioning it and then moving on did you uh, notice who that guy was i thought he looked familiar but i couldn't figure it he's, out he's uh one of the russo brothers one of the directors of the movie oh writers. okay that would be why i thought he's familiar yeah i also thought it was interesting that we do have that quick line that he is gay he yeah. is technically the first gay character in a Marvel movie, and I would say that along with there is a lot of profanity in this movie comparatively compared with other Marvel Marvel movies, um, especially coming from Captain America, who used to say like, "Oh, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to swear," and then he like swears all the time. I don't know. I'm just right. saying that these kind of messages and. Um, some other things in this movie immediately we kind of realized this isn't a movie for younger audiences i would say this is this is directed towards the teenagers of 2008 who first saw iron man and yeah. now they're grown adults like you and me at least that's what i was getting from it this movie is more so directed for them and not necessarily for younger viewers yeah, there there is definitely a, a big maturity gap from 2008 to now because not only is yeah we have a bit more profanity and that might just be due to the fact that it's three hours long, but we also yeah we also have, I you know you mentioned the first gay character as far as we know in Marvel in a Marvel universe film, um, not that that's anything bad but it's just surprising they took them this long to get there and maybe because of China, but what? <laughs> yeah it. It is be, it is interesting that we have I guess a little bit more progressive outlet on uh, the Marvel universe and that it is more um it is more mature than at least the previous movies have been. 
I do know that Infinity War did come into a little bit of controversy because it was a little bit much for younger viewers because, you know, characters were disappearing out of thin air. So my guess is they've maybe fully embraced that. And now they're just kind of like, yeah, this is what it needs to be a more mature movie than what we've done in the past. Yeah, I definitely see that as it is. It's because I think it's going to more so resonate with us who have been around for the entire, from the beginning, right. I would say. Right. Uh, I was pretty surprised that they uh, kill off Thanos that quickly in. I yeah. thought that was actually a good choice. Like I said, I do enjoy this first hour or so before they hit into the past. Uh, I was one of the, one of I guess the only times I was surprised in this movie when Thanos dies in the opening. Uh, and then because of that, and because the th- the stones are gone, they don't know what they're going to do next. Uh, so Thanos is dead, uh, and he leaves the line of "I'm inevitable," which will come back later. Um, and then yeah, we skip five years in the future, and it's just like, whoa, wait, where do we go from here? Yeah, that was a but surprise. After yeah, it, it, even for me who is not necessarily the biggest fan, I was like, oh gosh, well now what do we do? And like I mentioned just a second ago, it was, I guess, kind of one of the only few surprises that I have in this movie. I do think also the Hulk visual effects are the best we've ever seen for Hulk. Oh, he, yeah. It is pretty amazing yeah. how it now Hulk now looks like Mark Ruffalo. Um, yeah. It, they've, keep, they've gotten better, but I, I thought it was really fascinating also that, if I'm not mistaken, Mark Ruffalo is only in... The very, very beginning. And then for the rest of the movie, he is Professor Hulk. I believe you're correct. Yeah, he Mark Ruffalo himself is only in that opening. Well, no, no, he is in one part when they go back in the yep. past and his soul is pushed out of Hulk. But aside from that, yeah, it's pretty much just all Hulk. That is that is true as well. Yeah. And um, I did think I was glad to see some also a little bit of comedy introduced here. And it's kind of like comedy through sadness or like self-denial and tragedy or something where we have uh fat thor oh yes yeah the alcoholic thor he has the beer beer gut beer belly thor and he has korg and meek with him and i was glad to see both of them back and it was pretty funny how we do have the Fortnite scene where he's like yelling at him on oh gosh the the xbox or something i was i was surprised to see thor was fat for the whole movie. I was not expecting that. Yeah, and I I like what they do with Thor here that, you know, he's kind of let himself go. He doesn't feel, I guess he technically doesn't really feel as worthy as he was before when he killed Thanos. So I like that he kind of falls into this depression and kind of creates a new Asgard, but it's, you know, nothing like what he was used to back on the real Asgard. I like this aspect of Thor, but unfortunately for him, he... I think is probably the weakest of the main Avengers here that go back and have to face making their past. Uh, he isn't given as much development as I guess Captain America or Iron Man, because at least they get a proper send off at the end. And there's a good reason why, but Thor, I feel like, I mean, there's still more to do with him, but I do feel like they could have done more. Yeah. His character was surprising. I was wondering if they were trying to like, de-escalate him or make him less masculine in order to give more room for tony and captain america because thor did have that big moment 
at the end where it's kind of his fault this all happened because he didn't go for the head. He went for the chest. So yeah, I do like that. We do kind of see the fallout for his like mistake, you could say. Um, yeah. I do have an issue with his probably the most where he does go back to the Thor the Dark World time. And he's trying not to run to Natalie Portman, which I, I heard was actually just a deleted scene of her. And he does run into his mom. I just feel like we don't get anything that noteworthy or that great out of that whole scene. And then he does. He- yeah, the only th- the only thing that we get is that line that I mentioned in the summary. And that's really the only thing that of note I would say that we really get from her. Yeah, we get we do get his hammer back, which I thought was kind of a cool way for him to get the hammer back for the final fight in future installments. And I guess it gave him a pick me up being able to talk with his mom. I didn't even remember his mom at all. Same. So I'm like, what? Okay. I don't know. I, I guess I was just a little disappointed with some of these, you know, back to the future two esque scenes where they go back to events that have already occurred. Yeah. It's kind of cool to see things that we never saw happen. And I always like seeing scenes recreated. Um, For the most part, I thought they were okay. Nothing really groundbreaking, I thought, with with affecting the story. Yeah, they and their and okay, I guess we can go ahead and talk about it. It this is a time travel movie, right? And I'm I don't think I like that very much. I understand why they do it because you're gonna have the original Avengers uh, go back and kind of have their last hurrah, go back to the past, see where they've been. And face something that they probably need to face before they fight Thanos. I got, I understand that, but the problem I have is this also kind of feels like a cop out. Like they wrote themselves into this situation, and then the only way they could get out is through time travel. I, I don't like that aspect of this movie. Yeah, I would agree. I know. Did you know this was going to be about time travel before you saw the movie? No. Um. Well, okay. I'll say this, yes, because I figured that's the only thing they can do now is if they get the stones and go back in time and kind of reverse what all what all had happened. And for the most part, I was kind of right. Uh, they do have to go back in time, but they have to get the stones through more of an unconventional means. But yeah, this is one of the things I predicted before walking into the movie, thinking, okay, well, they had to go back in the past now because how else are they going to get back these Avengers? So... It was no surprise to me that this ended up being a time travel movie. Yeah, the reason it wasn't a surprise to me is because I knew there was a photo that leaked of Thor and Loki and Captain America in their old garb, but then Ant-Man was there as well. And so um, I know like Mr. Sunday Movies did a video about it. So it was pretty obvious, I think, everybody that had seen those photos or those videos knew there's going to be something about time travel i guess what i thought they were going to do something a little more different and a little more epic where like for some reason maybe ant-man had to go back and help them win this fight in new york or maybe they were going to accidentally um like i don't know i just think it would have been more epic if like what if like these three major points like from the first Avengers movie to Age of Ultron to this, like Thanos came into it somehow, and they all three were like fighting him across three separate periods through time, 
and had to defeat him through that somehow and like each one affected it i don't know i haven't had time to like flesh those thoughts out i just thought something was going to be a little more epic or a little or a little more different than simply okay shoot should we just get into it should we get into it i i still have a few more i have a few more positives left but we'll circle back so tony figures out time travel way too easily Oh yeah. Okay. This is this is great. I love this because he figures out how to do it and then doesn't explain how he figured it out or what the solution is. All we know and all we need to know is that he figured out how to do it. Why not explain or do something to give reason as to why he figured it out or what this will do? It doesn't really they don't really explain this aside from well, what you're doing is you're having time travel through Scott instead of Scott traveling through time. That's all that they explain. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's, I understand they have a lot to do in three hours, but you still, nevertheless, you have three hours to do this. And in the first act, Tony is like, time travel, that's stupid, that's dangerous, it's nigh impossible. And then all right. of a sudden, he's like, hey, make it a Mobius strip. And they're like, oh, wow, that's okay, that's easy. Um, yeah, for what exactly? Right, and I was expecting because... In Ant-Man, they talk a lot about the quantum realm, and I'm like, oh, that'll be cool, how, how they'll use that. No, it's just like a silly quantum tunnel. They build a brand new machine. Right. They don't explain They don't explain anything. It's just, we yeah. need this to move the plot along, so invent it. Make it happen. And they do. And right. it, uh, I don't know. I was, I was disappointed. I thought they were going to, I thought it was going to affect things a lot more differently. And then to make things easier, they're like, oh, yeah, you can run into your past self and nothing will happen which we've kind of come to yeah. accept that you shouldn't do that but in this they're like yeah whatever and i understand why they decided to do this for one they don't want to rewrite uh, all the movies that they have up until this sure. point i think that's a pretty smart idea to not just say oh yeah we could do whatever we, we can mess with things and turns out none of that really actually happened now in this timeline so i understand why they didn't do that but at the same time they also um what i'm seeing here is they're trying not to fall into this is what every other time travel movie is always like since back to the future pretty much is where if you go in the past if you go back into the past and change something in the past it will change something in the future and this one like no we're going to axe that rule what if now we can pretty much do whatever we want in the past and it not really affects what's going to happen in the future so i understand why they did that but at the same time it also kind of gives credence to there's not much consequence to what they do here and that it's mostly just them dealing with things that happened uh to their past self and things that they have to fight against. And I mean, again, I like that idea, but we're still under the reign of this is a time travel movie. Yeah. And like I said, they, they figure it out easily. They go back pretty easily. And I just feel like there's really not a lot of consequences from what, from going back or they're able to solve it fairly easily, which I thought there was, I thought there was rules. I thought they only, they only had like a certain amount of time on their watch that they could work within, but it turns out that's not true because Loki accidentally steals the Tesseract, which may be brought up later, who knows. Um, so then they have to go back to like the sixties, I think, where, seventies, the seventies. Okay. Yeah. Where, uh, Tony's dad is and we kind of get this like nice father and son moment but they don't realize it and captain sees peggy carter which i thought really why are we bringing this up again like you bring this up all the dang time throughout these movies but it does pay off in the end so i was okay with it i thought 
if that's all there was with Peggy Carter and nothing else, then whatever. Don't do that to us. Yeah, and like I don't not like that we go back and they have to deal with things. I think that's a good idea, sure. a good way of kind of a final send off for these characters. Yes. I think the, re- the just the issues I have is that it, it we have to do a time travel movie, and I don't think I like that very much. Yeah, and like I said, I would like it better if they would have done something more unique with it instead of just let's go get the MacGuffins and bring it back to the present and snap our fingers. Like, what if yeah. they accidentally created a bigger bigger mess by doing time travel and they brought instead of bringing Thanos into the present, he was also able to go into the past and then he was fighting them in New York. And I know that right. would probably be too complicated or too visually difficult, but I don't know. I'm just saying, what if what if it was like Thanos instead of the Chitauri and the Thanos instead of Ultron? And they're like, dang, yeah. we have to defeat him on all three fronts. I don't know. That's just an idea. Yeah. And I mean, I wonder if Marvel, at least for this movie, bit off a bit more than they could chew because there are a lot of sacrifices made with this movie because... Essentially, the main, I think, five Avengers are the ones who get the spotlight here and nobody else because the only time the other Avengers show up is in the final battle and we only get but a few lines from them. So it and that and you aren't explaining things that would help do some world building, like I mentioned earlier with the with the politics uh, you're not explaining how time travel really works aside from, well, these are the rules or why or how Iron Man came to find the solution of the time travel thing that they're having issues with. I think that, I mean, I understand why they would make decisions to cut some of this out for uh, for time and for simplicity, but you're making some serious sacrifices. I'm not very, I'm not invested in this world because nothing's being explained to me aside from what the goal is. And we're here for three hours. So, why isn't anything being explained to me? The other thing is they do a lot of sleight of hand where they will jump from one thing to the other so quickly that they hope you just forget about it right after that or you don't really think about it. Um, One of the things is Nebula is able to... the. I think it's the old Nebula is able to bring Thanos' entire ship into the present somehow. But we saw the... Yeah. Yeah. How does that work? Because we hear that they only have enough pin particles to get back to the current mm-hmm. time. And then Nebula, we know that hers were taken when... Or an old Nebula was... Old Nebula's pin particles taken by the new Nebula back in time. But how does new Nebula bring Thanos' ship back into this time? Yeah. And we also saw the Avengers needed special suits to go through the quantum realm, but Thanos' ship is just, just fine. And like everything else, like he brings yeah. everybody with him, like not just his ship, but like everything. I don't, I don't know how. And not only that, when the ship blasts through the ceiling, nobody hears nope. it? Nobody. Uh, okay. Yeah. Also, the other thing is how. Okay, so the big sleight of hand there is at the end is Thanos thinks he's putting on the new gauntlet to snap his fingers, but surprise, Tony somehow got the gauntlet and he put it on. That just seemed like, I mean, I like that Tony got it, but I don't, it's just like, wait, how? Yeah, from what I was seeing, I was thinking maybe he created a second gauntlet, but we never get that scene or a drop line anywhere. So, yeah, I don't really know how that all worked out. Maybe he swapped one of uh 
his gauntlets that he had on his suit and just replaced it with the gauntlet that Thanos had. But I just it just happened so fast. I don't think that's the case. Yeah, I don't think that's the case because the gauntlet that they used is all burnt and and cracked, and the one that Iron Man has on is very shiny. So what? I don't know. I don't know. Um. I'm just guessing he grabbed it while he was trying to pull it away from Thanos. He grabbed the stones. The one thing that I am okay with in the final battle is I feel like everybody gets their time, but more characters than others, and I'm completely okay with that. It seems like everybody's given something to do. It's basically past the football, um, which is the gauntlet, and throw it back into the quantum van or whatever. I'm, I'm totally okay with that. I feel like... Um, because more characters got more notice in the first movie, like the Guardians were a huge part, and they don't really get much in this. I'm I'm okay with that because we already got that in the first movie, and same with Spider Man and the others. Um, right. The one thing that I did think was kind of strange was when all those Doctor Strange portals opened up. We had um, Black Panther. My only guess was they specifically chose Black Panther because of how like culturally significant he was how much money he made he had just become the new superstar it seemed like to me i felt i didn't feel that excited because we just get him and his sister and uh, the lady that plays michonne from the walking dead they just like start walking out i'm like oh okay all right i don't know yeah i'm okay i i take issue with this ending uh for multiple reasons and I, I want to get the Thanos here in this ending a little bit, but specifically the Avengers, because yes, a few of them are giving their are given their time to shine, but we have to reconnect them with the Avengers that are already here. I think the biggest example of this is Spider Man and Iron Man. The problem is we start the war and then it is immediately halted, so we have two character moments to take place for them to reconnect. Why on earth would you do this? Why not have a scene where they all kind of reconnect? all the Avengers reconnect before they start fighting Thanos or does something a little bit different. Cause it just feels like we have a big action scene, a really excited action scene of two, or I guess technically three armies, but one is on the good side, good and bad fighting each other in a giant war. And then is all of a sudden just stopped for a moment. So Iron Man and Spider-Man can have their moments or whoever else. It, it feels like a weird editing choice to me. I, I honestly don't remember that. I'm sure if I watched it again, I wouldn't, I, I guess I didn't really notice it. Um, I was guess I was more so just encompassed in the epicness of the battle. I did love when right. Captain America said Avengers assemble. Um, I was, were you shocked when uh, Captain America wielded Thor's hammer? Not really, because that was set up uh, in Avengers uh, Age of Ultron, where he m- very slightly moves the hammer. So, I mean, it is set up. And I heard that he does wield the hammer in the comics. So when he does wield it, I was like, okay, well, I figured that was going to happen eventually. But it is kind of cool to see so. Yeah, everybody keeps saying that it was set up in Ultron. And I think because he was able to budget, I I wouldn't really call that a major setup. But I did. It's a it's a slight foreshadow. It's a very slight foreshadow. Um, it wasn't enough for me to really give it any thought that, oh, yeah, of course, Captain America is going to pick it up in this movie. Nevertheless, right. I right. thought it was pretty cool because whoever's worthy can wield it and i i, I did like that thor right. was cool with it he's like oh i knew it 
Um, so I, I liked it that Captain America was throwing it around. I thought that was a pretty major twist um, to it. But overall, yeah. I think this battle is handled very well with what we're trying to do here. I feel like I can watch the action. It's not too much. Everybody's given something to do. I guess they do have a weird editing choice, like you said. But nevertheless, it to me, it feels very epic and satisfying to see all of these characters be able to fight in this battle. Right. And, okay, I guess we before I, I guess respond to that, we should probably talk about Thanos here. I don't like Thanos in this movie, really at all. Because, okay, so in the first, in, in the first, in, in Infinity War, he had a lot of emotional weight to him. His character was set up from the beginning as a character who just wants to bring balance to the universe. But the way that they go about that gives him a lot of a lot more emotional weight. So when his plan comes true, it's like this big gut punch. In this one, they kill him off in the first 10 minutes. And then the Thanos we get is not the Thanos with that same emotional weight. He knows what happens and he knows what his goal was in that in those last few movies because of Nebula. But he doesn't have that same emotional weight when especially when he's fighting the of those few Avengers in the beginning, or in the, at least at the start of this final fight. So I wonder why they d- chose to do this because I feel if they brought Thanos back from the the original Thanos from Infinity War, I feel like this moment would have been much more emotional, emotionally impactful, having that emotional weight tied to that same character, not more of an empathetic character of oh I know what I was going to do, I know what happened. And I'm going to still try and follow that same rule. He has somewhat of the same goal, but none of the emotion behind it. Yeah, we we just I, I'm guessing we don't have the time to spend on that emotion because the first movie was more or less Thanos's movie, and this one they're going to focus more so on the Avengers. I I definitely understand because that character motivation, albeit an evil one, was still quite fascinating to watch unfold throughout that he was kind of a villain with brains which we usually don't get in most marvel movies or mostly any superhero movies per se thanos kind of has like a new goal once he learns the truth of everything and that is he's going to completely wipe out everybody on the earth and create the create like a new race that is just subservient to him and his will um, we don't really go much anywhere with that. That's just kind of a new idea. He just kind of concocted right there. Yeah, we don't really have time for any of that. It's more so just action focused. And see, that's why I don't like though is we're we're sacrificing emotional weight for an action sequence. And I understand. Okay, I understand that it's mostly action for the main Avengers for the most part here. And that's fine, but I feel like with a force that, I mean, especially who's proven himself from the from the first Infinity War to be very, very, very difficult, I feel like it would have had much more weight to it having two sides both emotionally drawn into this battle, not just one who says, oh, well, I just want to have a new universe. My issue comes with Thanos has been almost completely rewritten from Infinity War and I don't like that. I feel like the the Thanos we got from Infinity War is re- really well developed in terms of Marvel villains, at least as far as Marvel Marvel villains go. And that now with this Thanos, we've kind of taken a step back. I feel like there could have been more they've done here uh, instead of 
you know, rewriting Thanos. And yeah, sure, they maybe didn't have enough time. But I also think that there's a lot of wasted time in this movie. Like there are like the there are jokes here that I think just go on for really no reason. Like they I feel like they could have cut out the entire joke of uh say Scott Lang kind of coming back and being different ages for a good minute and a half until Iron Man steps in and gives him the solution. There are things like that that I feel are just kind of time wasters in this movie. Uh, I like that with a Scott Lang. I thought that was kind of funny. Um for a time waster though was probably at the very end between Thor and um Peter Quill, Star Lord. Who's the captain of the ship? We go on about that forever. Yeah. That's another good one of just wasting yeah. time. Uh, I guess I'm okay with us not getting as much Thanos in this movie because we did get like two and a half hours of him and his entire philosophy and motivation and the execution of his plan in Infinity War. And then they have to, I do think they smartly remove him from the movie in the beginning to deal with the fallout and we can deal with how to fix this solution. And then he comes back into the future which they would have never even realized and he basically says if i win and get my way then this is going to be i'm not going to worry about wiping out half the universe i'm just going to wipe out all of you and then we proceed from there just into the fight so i don't really have an issue with any of that i think that's all handled well enough because i don't think we need to continue down the philosophically character motivated road of Thanos I felt like we have enough of that already and now it's time to plus we're going to give all of that like emotional weight at the very end during the epilogue and have that focus shifted there so I can understand where you're coming from you want Thanos more so to did you just want more Thanos throughout the whole movie or just here towards the end not necessarily more Thanos throughout the whole movie, but I guess more of an evolution of his idea. And maybe we, they could have made it so the motivation, or I guess his goal at the end of uh, Endgame, where he, where this Thanos wants to wipe out the entire Earth and create a whole new colony, could be the thing that the Thanos from Infinity War eventually gets to. My problem is I'm not emotionally invested in this battle with, uh, with the original Avengers and Thanos, or really Thanos kind of in general. I'm not emotionally invested and I want to be emotionally invested because for me, these Marvel movies have been without much emotion in them for 10 years. There hasn't been anything that's drawn me in to be okay. Now I'm emotionally invested in these characters really at all. And I feel like this was the moment they had and they blew it aside from maybe from infinity war. I feel like that one, that one does help handle it very, very well. Yeah. If you want emotion, go check out return of the King where Aragorn says for Frodo and they go into the battle and we there's a much more emotional gravitas to everyone's motivation and coming together in that so I mean it's it's pretty obvious though this is basically the the ending fight of Return of the King I I mean that's pretty clear what they're trying to do there I don't know I'm I'm just excited for the action sometimes I just like action also and especially a movie that has been um, it was emotionally heavy in the first act. Got uh, We got some action in Infinity War. We got a decent amount of action, um, but also a lot of that emotional connection as well. And then kind of not that compelling of a second act, albeit for a few scenes we haven't talked about qu- just quite yet. And then just to kind of see an epic battle, I'm I'm totally cool with that. And then a pretty satisfying epilogue, I will say. 
Um, one of the things that I did like probably the best about the second act is between um, Hawkeye and Black Widow, and then we also get this there towards the end, is um, the just the desire for self-sacrifice um, no matter what. And we get that with Tony, even though he has a family. And uh, I mean, I think things are like set up pretty well, like circularly set up, whereas it's set up in the first act and then it, we kind of get towards it there in the third act. But that's probably the best message yeah. of this whole movie is self-sacrifice. Yeah, there is a lot of failure in this movie. And this movie kind of banks on failure along with Infinity War as well. But this one more so where how do you deal with failure is kind of the biggest theme that it talks about. And it's interesting and also kind of dour that when we meet Captain America five years after the events of Infinity War happen and after they kill Thanos, we hear him say, uh, it's just time to move on. Like he's, Captain America himself is pretty much given up at this point. Like it's kind of interesting to hear that from a character who's usually saying the opposite of that. He's, he has in the last few movies. Uh, I like that aspect that uh, even Captain America has given up at this point, which I mean, not long after that, they get a tip on Thanos. But yeah, you get this sense that, you know, there really is no going back maybe after what happened in the opening. But I mean, we all know that they're going to do it anyways. Yeah, I I didn't feel too much emotion with uh, Black Widow's death. I more so yeah, just like the fact that they were like no it needs to be me because you've got this to live for and they each had really good reasons for it so i think that's a really admirable characteristic that they promoted so i appreciate that um i was yep. more so i i never cried during this movie i don't think i could have cried um i would say the emotion was much more real though with um tony's death when he does take it upon himself, he has to be the one to snap his fingers, even though, honestly, he has the most to live for out of all of them, um, considering he has yep. a wife and a very young child, and he's, like, he, like, finally has happiness in his life for a man that's led a very kind of unfulfilled life. Um, I, I mean, nobody else has anything to really live for, honestly. I, I know it's a terrible thing to say, but they've not they've not right. set up any solid reason why anybody else so I, I do think making it tony was the right choice though yeah i agree not only is he the one who kind of started this whole thing and the one who kind of also ends this whole thing but his character at this point has done a complete 180 where it, before he was very narcissistic and very self-serving whereas now he makes the final sacrifice and even though it kills him he also saves everybody else in the process yeah i mean it's i mean there really couldn't have been a better character to do this because of just how, just given the circumstances of him being the first and his personality at the beginning, how it's changed. Okay, the one other thing that I wanted to mention real quick about this last fight is when all of the women assemble, just they just know to assemble together for some reason. I know they were, yeah. they were really considering whether they should do that. The creators were wondering whether that would just be pandering towards women, but then they were also like, no, it's kind of good to have like, you know... Uh, female power presence there as well because clearly we have that for the men and so on one point i do like it but then on one point it does seem like all of a sudden like how did all these women know to fly over to this place in this huge battlefield 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I like the scene that you have all these, all the male Avengers, or male Avengers, when you have all the female Avengers kind of bidding together. Um, I like that scene. I think it is kind of one of the longer scenes of actual action before we stop again. Um, that's kind of nice to see. But yeah, does raise the, does raise the question, well, how do they all know to go over there and, uh, you know, and, and actually assemble themselves, the Lady Avengers? I don't know. I didn't think too much about that. My mind was on other things. Okay. Um, I did like the inclusion of Pepper Potts and her Iron Iron Maiden. That's what I'm going to call it. In her Iron Maiden yeah. suit. I thought that was cool. Um, I do wish there could have been a little bit more since Tony is about to die. Maybe I, we do see him just fight a little bit together, but... I do wish there was maybe a few lines or some something really stressed where Tony, you know, says I love you to Pepper and then he has to fly off and throw the gauntlet on and snap his fingers. We don't really get that. Um, the one thing that bothered me a little bit is how hard they were trying to drive home um, the relationship between Peter Parker and Tony Stark as if he was this super important mentor. I get that, but he starts bawling and falling over Tony and I'm like excuse excuse me his wife is right here um I don't know what right. did you think about that yeah that didn't bother me too much um because I mean I know that it was because of Tony that uh Peter Parker lives the life that he does so that didn't bother me too much but I mean I guess I wanted more emotional weight once again out of this because there could have been more setup between, I guess, even Spider-Man and Iron Man, all the only thing they really get is they have a hug briefly during this, in the middle of all this, all, of all this action. I would have liked to be more. Pepper Potts, she's there. Um, she doesn't have much to do, though. There's only a couple scenes where she's actually present. So, I mean, I guess I really just wanted more emotional weight with this than what we actually get. Yeah, my guess is they're probably also trying to make it cross-generational. Um, for younger viewers as well who Spider-Man could be, you know, one of the first Marvel movies they've seen. They they probably attach more so on to Spider-Man, whereas we would attach more towards the older characters because right. we've been around them more. Also, I do really like the line, I am Iron Man, because that was the line. He's the end of the very first movie that tied back well to what, what right. Thanos said. But I will say that my favorite send-off of these two is Captain America, where he always is the character that has seemed the least fulfilled in life because he is a man out of time. And I always thought it was sad he never got to be with Peggy Carter. He basically sacrificed himself for the world and didn't really um, get anything back for it. But because they have been able to figure out right. time travel, he does go back in time. And for them, it would only be five seconds, but for him, it would be as long as he needs, which doesn't make any sense to me i guess once again they don't i don't think they really establish those rules too clearly but when they do see the old man sitting by uh the river and i thought the makeup was really good also um i i oh, yeah. first his thin body made me think that he was pre-iron man he was like small steve right yeah i i do like this ending but i do want to ask the question of did he just go and just sit there and wait for somebody to find him but I mean that I feel like at that, that point it's kind of a, a little bit more of a nitpick. A nitpick. 
But yeah, I, I think I like this bit better because uh, you, like you were saying, he is kind of the one who's mostly unfulfilled for most of her basically 10 years, especially when it comes to Picky Carter. He's It's been the lady he's wanted to spend his whole life with and never got the chance to, and now he actually does. And so he takes it. So yeah, I mean, I like this. I like this ending scene. It's nice to see Captain America. I, I knew, I, I had a feeling that, and I kind of predicted that Iron Man's probably going to die and, Iron, and Captain America is going to be the one who walks away. And yeah, he walks away, but in a different way than I thought he would. And then I thought he would have. Instead, he uh, waits off and has his life with Peggy Carter and then he, he turns old. And then he says, I'm giving you the Captain America reigns now, Sam. And Captain America has been transitioned back to, uh, uh, see, Sam is Falcon. Ooh, so yeah. Yeah, I, I liked all of that. I just like the fact that the movie ends with them dancing. And I guess I didn't even remember this, but I guess yeah. um, he promised that he would dance with her, but they never got to because he crashed the plane into yeah. the Arctic. But to me, that seems like such a sweet kind of sentimental, just kind of uh just kind of a nice ending for everything to close on just kind of like all is right with the world now we're all at peace and we all you know right get our happy ending for the most part i understand that tony's dead right. and now pepper is a widow and the girls the, his young daughter doesn't have a dad so that's pretty sad but um we don't really leave on a sad yeah. note i would say right it's unfortunate though that some of the major characters like uh nick fury don't get anything to say we just yeah. only see him like once at the very end for Tony's funeral. And like I mentioned earlier, some of the other Avengers are kind of given the short end of the stick. They show up here at the very end and uh, that's really about it. I, w- I guess I would have liked some more. Uh, I guess I would have liked their characters to be more involved than what they were, given that this is called Avengers Endgame. But yes, that that was a little strange. It sounds that- like the script. It sounds like the script, I guess... Roy the way they wrote it didn't couldn't allow for that. Yeah, it was a little strange. I honestly had forgotten completely about Nick Fury until he just walks onto camera for five seconds there at the end, and yeah. that's it. Um, yeah, that was a little strange. Um, the th- the one thing that boggled me also was during the funeral scene. Um, did you see that teenage boy standing yeah. in the back? Who was that? Okay, I finally figured it out. He was the little boy from the second act of Iron Man 3. Oh, okay. So who What cares? is he doing here? Uh, exactly. Because he made an Im- Tony made an impact on his life. I guess he knew about the funeral. He got invited to it. I think more so um, I hear people say that they're setting up um, the this new young team with Hawkeye's daughter and him – and one or two other people, they kind of insinuate here. So I've heard there are seeds planted of new movies without people like even without them overtly realizing it or showing it, I guess. Okay, so the Marvel Teen Titans then. Yeah, whatever it's called. I don't know what it's called, but basically. Yeah. I also have another question that has to do with time travel because okay. they bring everybody back, right? Yep. Uh, is there going to be a age gap? From those five years that they have all been gone? And if so, that'd be kind of weird. Yes, that that is a question that people have brought up. Um, because you see Peter Parker 
return to his high school at the end and they're like wait a minute it's five years later um people are still going to high school and so from what we understand is that when people were uh vanished or dusted or whatever you want to call it when they're snapped out of existence and then when they're snapped back in they didn't age one day so it was as if they no time had passed for them right i don't know once again another one of those things that I guess just wasn't, for whatever reason, just wasn't answered. Yeah, I I don't know where those people went because we know in the quantum realm, Scott was gone for five hours, but in real life, it was five years. So does one hour equal one year? I don't know, but nevertheless, they I guess. They also don't explain that either. No. I, they, they, I watched they for nothing, that okay? the That's what time. we get to explain. <laughs> yeah. You're just supposed to sit down and watch your three-hour Marvel movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. just shut up and sit down and don't think about uh, don't, anything. Don't you dare ask any questions, okay? This is airtight. Yeah. It's airtight plot. Yeah, it, it is. Okay, it, it does bring... That was one of my first questions when I watched this movie is, okay, a rat is the thing that brings Scott Lang back, by the way. Um, but in no... In neither our uh, Ant-Man movies is it said that spending X amount of time in the quantum realm will spit you out X amount of time in the future, right? Until we get a short line from, I believe is from Scott Lang, where he said, yeah, I got caught in a time warp, but who knows? The quantum realm is unpredictable. It they This whole reason for them going back to, going back through the portal, it just kind of feels like it's hobbled together. There are, they do give reasons for why things are, but it feels just weak. Yeah, if you start to think about it too much, everything will be I don't know, everything will be so confusing it won't it'll like mess everything up because yeah. why would Captain America So he goes to be with Peggy Carter in that time but yet he still has to come back to the present? So how old would he have been? Like 130 years old or something? No, no, he would have been somewhere around. Well, I guess it doesn't exactly say how far back he went. All we know is that he went back far enough to spend time with Piggy Carter. So I'm guessing it's some not long after World War II because of the cars that are driving around in that last scene. But that would mean that he's, what, 30-something when he goes there? So yeah, maybe he as he's probably pretty close to... Yeah, pretty close to 100 years old when he gets and he's sitting on that bench. I thought the makeup for Chris Evans was incredible. I'll say this. Uh, some of the aging makeup, both young and old, looks really, really good. Because yes. we have a young Hank Pym in here somewhere. Yeah. A young, I want to say young Iron Man from at least the first Avengers is in here. Yeah, Captain America, old Captain America is it's in here. Better. Looks really, really good. Yeah, it's getting a lot better, I would say. So, Alan, what is your rating and recommendation for Avengers Endgame? <sighs> Avengers Endgame is a movie that I think you, I kind of think you kind of wrapped up my thoughts pretty well when you said that if you think about it, it doesn't make too much sense. A lot of things, you really shouldn't think about a lot of things. I think that's the thing I don't like most about this movie is they're either A, is something there but is never explained and they skip off on world building or B, they don't give any reason as to how things work or if they do, it's very hobbled together and 
doesn't feel concrete. Nothing in this movie, I think, I think that's my biggest reason why I don't like this movie as much as I thought I would, is nothing here feels concrete. It all feels like, well, here's a story that we already have built up for the past 10 years, and we can't do too much. We have to do a time travel movie now, so here's a bunch of reasons why we have to do this. But once again, like, say, how the government operates, or say, how Tony Stark came up with a solution for time travel, they're not explained. They give a small explanation, but they never go deeper than the surface level of explaining things. How about together with a Thanos that, uh, in my mind, is a very weak villain because it's not the same villain with the same motivations and the same emotional attachment that I had from the previous movie. I don't, I never once got emotionally invested in this film. There are some good things, don't get me wrong. It has to has good action. I really do enjoy the first hour or so before they head back in the time uh, because of how focused it is. But it's one of those things where I, everyone, okay, the, the explanation I get from a lot of people, at least from what I've seen, is that Avengers Endgame is satisfying. But I completely disagree with that because I feel like it is very unsatisfying for what it doesn't explain. There are a lot of things here that could have been helped that could have been explained to better make to make this movie better, but for whatever reason they don't explain it because we're short on time in a three-hour movie. All I'll just say, I think it's fine, like every other Marvel movie I've ever seen, and this makes me want to go back and watch Infinity War again for how much I guess I didn't realize I liked it. So in the day, it's fine. Yes, I'll give it a recommend. I mean, honestly though, who isn't going to see this movie if they don't already want to see it? Six out of ten mild recommend it's fine that's about as much as i can give it though avengers endgame is an epic end to a marvel series i've been following since i was 13 now that i'm 24 it is cool and i will say that it is satisfying to see this series come to an end taken as the end to what's been building for so long it is a great wrap-up and yes this does work as a standalone marvel movie and as far as Marvel movies go, I will say this is one of the better ones. No, this film doesn't deserve the slot it holds on the IMDb 250, because for me, this film flits between good moments and some great moments. Not Never amazing moments, though. Uh, for the most part, it has an admirable worldview of self-sacrifice for the ones you love, but it also has some disappointing elements such as the needless gratuitous swearing and subtle ways they push progressive worldviews. If I had a child under the age of 13, I wouldn't take them to see this movie. Avengers Endgame is a fun time and an exciting conclusion, albeit one with some notable flaws. It receives 7 stars out of 10, and I'll still give it a solid recommend. Now, as for Between Infinity War and Endgame... Infinity War is much more solid. Um, I have revisited, I've seen it three, maybe four times now. I revisited not that long ago, and I was really surprised at how great it does convey emotion, how great Thanos is of a character, and um, just the action and how it leaves on just the end of They Have Lost. I don't know, it's just much more gutsy. It, to me, it seems a little more solid and cohesive than Endgame. Um, so I think Infinity War is the better of the two. Yeah, and I can agree with that. And that's why I say I kind of want to go back and watch it again. Because, funny story, the original recording of my uh, Infinity War Final Thoughts was is not in the podcast. Because I originally gave it, I think, a six. 
out of ten, yeah. and had a lot more qualms with it than original than uh, what was re- what was later recorded. And I recorded that and said I don't like that, so I went back and changed it. And my rating went from a six to a seven. And I kind of want to go back and watch it again just to see what if my rating would change or if my thoughts would change because there's from what I remember there seems to be a lot more emotion attached to that one than here. So I think that once again. Marvel doesn't really take much risk hourly at all, especially in their movies. It feels like they're don't they. I think that's why I, I found this and a lot of them not to be very emotionally impactful is because there aren't very much. There is there usually isn't much risk involved with these movies. Yeah, my score definitely changed after Infinity War because when we first reviewed it, I gave it a seven, just like I just gave Endgame a seven. Um. I I right. did see it twice in theaters. Each time I gave it a seven, but then when I did revisit it this February, my score did jump up to a nine. Now, if I watch it a fourth time, it very well may settle in on an eight. But I just I was just extremely. You can read my review on Letterboxd of my updated thoughts. But I was extremely impressed with the score, how it conveyed emotion. Um, how they were able to fit everything in. Go, go read my thoughts. But yeah, I was, I greatly appreciated the more after giving it some time. And I'm wondering yeah. if after I give this movie some time as well, that I, I can definitely see myself maybe settling in with this one on an eight, giving it a little more time and perspective and seeing what they're really going for here. Now, don't get me wrong. There are Marvel movies that will probably always be better than this one that I always like better than this one um, yeah. and i even know arnie over at now playing who is a huge marvel fan and who has watched each marvel movie it seems like a number of times um well, there like he he sorted these movies into three tiers infinity war was in the first tier um i can't remember what else was in there like winter soldier maybe something else but uh endgame settled into the second tier for him which yeah, oh, wow. so they're like the first tier is just amazing, fantastic, and the the second tier is like, yeah, that's good. Um, I don't want to misrepresent what his thoughts were, but nevertheless, this is in the second tier of films for him, which that yeah. seems to be the consensus. No matter if you're a big Marvel fan or not, it's still second tier. It's not as bad as like what I would say Iron Man 3 or Thor of the Dark World, which were just kind of stupid movies, but um, yeah. Yeah. But that also brings in an interesting question, though, because this seems to happen a lot, where the final installment of a series is never the best, when it's kind of touted to be the best. Do you think that that's maybe because of hype, and people think it's going to be the best thing they've ever seen, and then due to that hype, or maybe even false hype, it isn't as good as they were expecting? Or if do you think that's how the movie was made by accident, and it actually is not good? Oh gosh, I don't know. I I do think hype has something to do with it because I know it had something to do with it for me. I was expecting certain elements to be much more epic and not so basic of, yeah, we just are going to go back in time and pull out the stones. And it's like, oh, okay. Um, So yeah, some of that was a bit disappointing for me. Don't get me wrong. like I still enjoyed the film. I still liked it for a superhero movie and, and being epic and whatnot. Um, and I do think it is cool in a way to see these comics really come to life in a way that hasn't ever really been done before. So I'm sure hype yeah. has something to do with it, but 
Um, I, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Marvel seems to kind of ebb and flow between great, good, and bad. It's just kind of all over the place because there are, there are Marvel movies that you and I like, and then there are Marvel movies that we just don't even care for at all. Um, and then there are some that are just like serviceable. They're, they're harmless. So I, I, for instance, I like this better than Avengers Age of Ultron. I didn't really care for that movie. Most people consider Age of Ultron to be the worst Avengers movie. Yeah. Um, I think it's usually up until now, I'm assuming this one is kind of is considered to be the best from a number of different people. But it used to be is Infinity War better or is the original Avengers better? That's what I've. Oh, yeah. It seems to be the argument that I've I've seen is which one is better between the two of them. Um, Now, with this one thrown in the mix, I wonder if I wonder how much of that conversation is going to change. I found this one to be just a little bit above Age of Ultron, um, and then one, and then Infinity War. So I don't know. I mean, I asked this question of is I asked this question of is is it hype or is it bad filmmaking with the final installment? Because we see this happen a lot, where the last film in a series just isn't living up to what it was built up to be, whether that be once again hype or just bad filmmaking. Yeah, and I, I'm not going to say it's bad filmmaking because being able to continue a story that was started 11 years ago across 22 films and somehow bring almost, somehow make them all important, make everything still important and meaningful, even like Thor The Dark World, you know, I, I do think that's really impressive that the screenwriters and filmmakers are able to do that. Also, they're able to right. make this movie not boring. And I think the movie had some really solid pacing for a three-hour movie. So I think we were just hoping for a bit more because Infinity War set our expectations pretty high. And once again, I'm not trying to right. like trash on this movie whatsoever um, because... I, it's it's not don't get me wrong it's, this is not a bad movie like i said i still think this is a good movie right. i just think they could have done some things better and i think that's the general consensus from what i've heard yeah and i mean even though i gave it a six out of ten and i kind of dogged on it for an hour or two it's it really isn't that bad of a movie it's not i would even consider it bad i would even i would say it's a little bit above average, but that's also kind of my issue is for me, most of these Marvel movies tend to be that way. They're either serviceable or just above average. There is yet to be a Marvel movie that has wowed me at all. And might that might be because of my taste in movies. I tend to not like things that are popular or tend to not like things that are of the American style as much as the next guy. That's, I guess, just how I roll. I am going to be very interested to sit down and... Once this does come out on home video, I plan to splice Infinity War and Endgame together and create a five and a half hour Infinity game oh dear. movie. Yeah, and I want to sit down and watch it from beginning to end just to get the full picture and get the full impact and see if... Because I do feel like we are missing certain things. Like you talked about, a lot of that emotionality is found in the first part and so yeah maybe if you sat down and you watched it as one cohesive whole maybe it, maybe things would be different it's funny because i mentioned in infinity war i wondered if maybe the next installment would be the thing that makes infinity war better because uh, that seems to be what usually happens or at least 
what should happen, like for instance, I know with Star Wars, uh, I think of Star Wars as the example I gave, where the first one came out, it was great, and then the second one came out, and even though, oh, no, no, sorry, it was it was five and six. Uh, episode five came out, and people were like, eh, it's okay, and then six came out, and then five ended up being the one that a lot of people considered the best. So I wonder if, if I return to Infinity War, if I think that it's better than what I initially thought. Um, I do wonder if that's going to be the case here. Yeah, I am going to be interested to see it. I'm gonna I'm gonna splice it together, listeners. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna see. It's pretty easy to splice things together now with uh, that MKV tool nix. So, listeners, if you're yeah. interested in splicing some cuts of movies together, I've done some super cuts like Blade Runner, Toy Story, um, Back to the Future. Those are just fun projects that you yeah. could try. So, just a little tidbit for you. So. People asked, what is going to happen? What's... Apple. Apple. So people asked, what is going to happen now after the Avengers, after this movie, since, I mean, at least the mainline Avengers are done, for the most part. Mm -hmm. Disney CEO Bob Iger came out and says, I'm guessing we'll try our hand at what I'll call a new franchise beyond Avengers, but that does not necessarily mean that you won't see Avengers down the road. We just haven't made any announcements about that. Given the opportunity of the characters and given the... the popularity of the franchise i don't think people should conclude that there will never be another avengers movie and the rooster brothers also said uh they haven't planned on making any more marvel movies but they would not be opposed to returning as well so what does that mean i don't know probably means there's gonna be more avengers movies yeah i um thought that was interesting the russo brothers are kind of done with it for now they did three films i think so that's fine um that would be interesting uh um, but no, I think they did four. I think they did four because they did Winter Soldier, Civil War, Infinity War, and Endgame, right? Uh, yeah, you, yeah, I think you're right. There, there is talk of like, uh, what villains could come next. I think one villain they're talking about is Kang the Conqueror because he directly has to do with time. Um, I also thought of, uh, I'm trying to, I, I think his name might be Galactus. Is that, is that ring any bells? Um, I don't know. Regardless, I think what's going to happen is um, we're going to start a new phase where we're going to have, you know, phases five through nine or something where we're going yeah. to have that, but we're going to have the Fantastic Four be a part of it. We're going to have even new characters that we've not seen before that they've set up maybe in older movies and maybe even some X-Men come into play here. And um, that is what I think we're going to build to. So I do think it's very it's pretty hard to probably recapture this once again, but I do think maybe in another you know, decade plus, we're going to have, we're going to see another thing just like this. And yes, I am right. It, it is Galactus. So I'm guessing we're going to set up okay. the seeds of Galactus, which will draw in the Fantastic Four and some current characters and maybe even some X-Men. And he will be the new Thanos in 10 years. So we'll go towards, I'm, I'm really yeah. interested. 10, 10 more years. It'll never stop. But you know what? Every, every like decade or, era has had something like you know western movies used to be all the rage and used to be every tv show was a western and everything was a western yeah. and those went away and then it was more so detective stories also 
Um, and those have kind of gone away, but have had a resurgence. So I think we're just in the era of superhero films. Um, and there will come yeah, a time. A lot of people have been talking about yeah, that. Yeah, there will come a time that... when they're done. But as for now, yeah. I can de- very well see us going for the next 10 years and then maybe we'll be done. Yeah, I can – like maybe 10 years, maybe. I, I There have been people who have already been talking about superhero fatigue. Uh, I, I believe like everybody. <laughs> even – I'm trying to think of when it, the conversation started about this. I want to say it was maybe – Around Age of Ultron, I think, is where I started hearing the conversation, maybe even before. But yeah, I, it does raise the question, okay, well, when does when is superhero fatigue going to start setting in if it hasn't already? I mean, that's a real question where only time will tell. Yeah, I know. Because, I mean, it'll happen eventually, I can guarantee you. Oh, sure. And I know, I guess for a majority of audience members, um, we'll see after Endgame. Maybe after Endgame, they, everybody will be kind of tired with it. Maybe they'll be done. I don't know. Um, I'll, yeah, I guess we'll find I, out. Yeah, we'll guess we'll find out. I know a lot of people are kind of like, I wish this was the end. It's been 11 years. Like we've built this towards this massive thing. It's kind of like time to be done now, but right. that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Okay. Because there's already contracts right. and scripts and we're getting Spider-Man far from home, like next month or something. Also, uh, on my second showing at the theater, I, I got to see a short snippet of uh, the actor who plays Spider-Man yeah. or Peter Parker. And he says, hey, we have a new trailer for Spider-Man uh, Far From Home, but it spoils Endgame. Yep. So you can watch it at the end. It'll be after the credits. I haven't seen it, but I guess there was a new trailer that came out for it. It is. I watched the new trailer and it is a massive spoilers in it. So if you right. haven't seen Far From Home, I figured. it'll completely ruin the end of Endgame for you. It's pretty crazy how that they did that in the trailer um the yep. one thing that i did like was um the credits closing credits for each character i thought that was kind of special and cool yeah yeah and it is it is pretty cool also no i, I guess technically if you watched it after the embargo lifted of uh, spoilers because i lifted like i think today uh, i think it lifted like two days ago from this recording but uh yeah Aside from the Spider-Man Far From Home trailer, there was no end credit scene for Endgame, which, I mean, not a big surprise, but it is kind of interesting that they chose not to not to show anything after the credits. Like, they usually do. That's kind of been a staple for Marvel is to show something at, during the credits. Yeah, I liked that there was no end credit scene. Um, that would have felt mm-hmm. really out of place. The only thing yeah, kind there of. was, um, like, banging of metal. I don't know if you heard it. But there was this banging of metal. A popular fan theory is that that is Tony banging out his armor in the cave from when he first created the Iron Man suit. Is that just an homage? (laughs) Is that playing with time, insinuating that somehow because of time travel now, Tony will come back? Or is it something completely different? Is it a new villain creating their armor or something? We don't know. Ultron's coming back. I call right now. That's it. The next one will be Avengers... Age of Ultron 2. <laughs> Age of Ultron 2. Part 2. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't even know it. But yeah, probably. Uh, I don't know. Call it right I now. don't know what it means. I know. I think Mr. Sunday Movies has a pretty good video like covering all of what it possibly could be. I know in the comics, Tony right. comes back as like an AI hologram within the suit. Hmm. I don't think that's going to happen. I'm fairly certain Robert Downey and... Um, What's, what's his name? Dang it. 
guy who plays Captain America. Chris, Chris Evans. Evans. I'm pretty sure they are done. Yeah, I do know that Chris Evans' contract is up, and I'm pretty sure Iron Man's is too. They could use him. I mean, if they use him for voice acting, that'd be a bit uh, different, yeah. I think. Because that is, doesn't necessarily take uh, his likeness on screen. I think they just want to be done also for from playing these characters for so I long. can see that. I could... I can see that for playing the same character for 10 years. Well, listeners, what do you think? Where do you think the Avengers universe will go from here? Just the Marvel's universe? Is the Avengers done? I mean, in a way, yeah, but they did pass the mantle on in certain ways. So I'm expecting us to get a ton of more movies. We already know some are coming out, some are in the works. We're, I'm intrigued to see what you think about this. So do you want more or are you just done? Are you kind of tired of it? You think they need to wrap it up? I'm interested to see what you think, so make sure to comment below. Also, don't forget to click subscribe so you don't miss out on any of our regular shows. This was a special show. Um, the regular shows come out on Monday, regular reviews. But if you do want even more reviews, uh, head on over to our Patreon page for just for the price of a Starbucks cup of coffee, which you drink. Yeah, it's good, but then it's gone. This you get to keep forever. You get bonus episodes, our thoughts on the latest movie news and trailers, question and answers with us, uh, movie commentaries that we record. You get all of that and more. That does really help us um, keep these episodes free. It does help support us. That money doesn't go into our pockets. That money goes to paying for the bandwidth and storage of the podcast and the website and just improving everything all around. Uh, also, don't forget to um, subscribe on Facebook and Twitter. Share with your friend, family and friends. We love talking about movies and we love talking about them with you. Also on iTunes, um, please give us a five-star rating on there. That's not just for ego. That is for um, helping... Uh, it gain in the ranking so other people will be more easily able to find um, the podcast um, and enjoy talking about movies with us here at the Silver Screen Guide community. So, Alan, thank you for joining me for this special episode. Sure thing. All right, listeners, we will be coming back next time around with, well, we do have the Men in Black episode um, for you to listen to. It's possible that's out now or it's possible that will be coming out very soon after this recording we'll see so look for the first men in black episode and then after that will be the uh, second men in black um episode as well so make sure to keep your eyes peeled for that we will see you next time <laughs>